is Tim Harris. I am pastor here at Woodburn Baptist Church. Uh, if you've been joining me for uh, live devotions every morning at 10 o'clock on Facebook, then I appreciate that so much. We're going right through the Gospel of Luke together and picking up exactly where we have left off. This morning, if you'll turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 22, we're going to pick up in verse 31. My wife Casey has said several times how much she's enjoying these Sunday mornings with Facebook Live, and she watches uh, our service, of course, and then several other services, and, uh, and, and I love that. Casey gets up and gets ready for church. Uh, and then I realized probably part of the reason she loves Sunday mornings so much is because I leave the house. It's like the only time, <laughs> that poor woman has me breakfast, lunch, and supper these days. You know, we're locked in the house together, and, and I'm loving it, you know, because that's just me, but, uh, but I also know my wife, and I, and I bet you anything, y'all, I mean, I mean, our dog and me take every step with Casey right now, and uh, no such thing as social distancing at our place. Uh, but anyway, Casey, God bless you. Enjoy. I'll be home in a minute, so enjoy this while it lasts. Uh, Luke chapter 22. Let's jump right in. If you've been reading with me, then you know that Jesus is in the upper room uh, with the disciples at what we call the Last Supper, and that's still our setting for what's about to happen, this conversation that happens here beginning in verse 31. One of the things to remember just as a principle in your life is that Jesus always prepares you where you are for what comes next. Now, you don't know what comes next. You don't ever know. And, and certainly this crisis right now reminds all of us that we never really know what's about to happen. We, we, we have no idea what tomorrow holds. We don't even know what today holds. But Jesus knows. And because he knows and because he cares for us, Jesus is always, always trying to prepare us, working to prepare us so that we will be ready to face what's coming tomorrow. This is true in your life, and it's especially true in the disciples' lives at this very moment. Now, it is the Last Supper. We know that. Jesus knows that. The disciples don't know that. Even though Jesus continues to try to prepare them, to explain to them that, that he's about to suffer, that he's about to be gone, they don't seem to absorb any of this. So try as he might, Jesus continues to try and get the disciples to understand what the coming night brings. They simply have no idea. Let's jump in. Luke chapter 22, verse 31. Jesus begins to speak directly to Simon Peter, and he says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat, but I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said, Lord, I am ready to go to prison with you and even to die with you. Jesus said, Peter, let me tell you something, before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. Then Jesus asked them, when I sent you out to preach the good news and you did not have money, a traveler's bag, or an extra pair of sandals, did you need anything? No, they replied. But now, Jesus said, take your money and a traveler's bag. And if you don't have a sword, sell your cloak and buy one. For the time has come for this prophecy about me to be fulfilled. He was counted among the rebels. Yes, everything written about me by the prophets will come true. Look, Lord, they replied, we have two swords among us. Enough, Jesus said. 
if he's preparing them for what comes in the future, then back up to verse 30, just before this, and this juxtaposition is, it will give you whiplash. Right before Jesus turns and talks about the hard days to come, Jesus has just said something marvelous to the disciples. Back in verse 29 and 30, he says, just as my Father has granted me a kingdom, I now grant you the right to eat and drink at my table in the kingdom, and you will sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. I mean, what? That's amazing. I mean, Jesus has just told them, you're going to sit on thrones, you're going to share my kingdom. I mean, that's incredible. It's in the future. But, but still, Jesus has just promised them this amazing, amazing future in the kingdom of heaven with them. They're going to sit on thrones. I mean, who wouldn't want to hear that? But then immediately, instantly, he turns, and, and, and his face grows dark, and he says, but Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat. What? I mean, how do you hold these things together that this fantastic future that Jesus promises for them, sitting on thrones, sharing in the kingdom, sitting at his table, but before that, you see that, that's coming, that is guaranteed. We all know how this turns out. Not just for the disciples, for you and me. We all know how this turns out. We know how everything ends. There's no question about the outcome. Jesus wins. There's victory in Jesus. And if you know Jesus, there's victory for you. You will sit at a table in his kingdom. You will share in his glory. You, You will be changed and be like him. You understand? You will wear a crown. You will cast it at his feet. We know how all this turns out. That's the ending. And the ending is guaranteed by Jesus himself. It's the middle, it's the middle that we don't know a lot about. It's the road between where I'm standing now and where I will be one day with Jesus. It's that, that meantime. And this is what Jesus is trying to get the disciples to understand. The outcome is secure. We know where this all ends up, but, but between here and there, there are some dark days coming. You see, Jesus wants to prepare them in this moment for what comes next, but, but the disciples just don't get it. They don't understand. So, interesting, Jesus speaks first directly to Simon, but he's also speaking about all of the disciples. The word you there is plural when he says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you, each of you, all of you, like wheat. But I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. So interesting, Jesus says, you're going to sit on thrones in my kingdom. But then he also says, and Satan has asked to sift you, to test you. Satan has asked permission to come after you. I think that's interesting. The fact that Satan has to ask permission, there's something wonderful about that. I love that. I love the fact that Satan is limited. I love the fact that Satan does not have free reign. I love the fact that nothing gets to me that doesn't first get past Jesus. You understand? Satan asks permission. What that means is the trials that you and I face are only the trials that God allows. The trials we face are only the ones that God allows. Nothing gets to me that hasn't first been okayed by God. And this is what Jesus says. Satan has asked, and the implication is permission was granted. He's coming. 
Jesus says, but don't worry, I prayed for you. Okay, now you're starting to worry me. When we were talking about sitting on thrones in glory, now you had me there, but now Satan's coming at Satan asked your permission to come after me and you're going to pray for me? What exactly does Jesus pray? I think this is critical. Now, just selfishly speaking, humanly speaking, if Jesus knows that Satan's coming after me, what I want Jesus to pray is that he don't come. I mean, that's just me. But, you know, Jesus, if you're going to do me a favor here, why don't you just not let him come? If he wants to sift me like wheat, how about we instead, you just crush him like a bug and he never gets to me at all. I prefer not to be sifted today or tomorrow. But that's not what happens here. Understand, Jesus says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat. I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. Friends, we are going through a sifting right now. now. Now, the only trials that we ever face are the ones that God allows. So right now, God is allowing this time of uncertainty and fear and anxiety and sickness. God's allowed this, and we have to wonder why. Why is this happening? If, if God is allowing it, then in some way or the other, there must be a purpose for it. So, so what, is, what is the purpose? I want you to see, and it comes from what Jesus says right here. I have pleaded in prayer, Simon, that, that your faith should not fail. So here's what you need to know. God allows you to be tempted and tried when it suits his own purpose for your life. It's the only reason that God would allow that. It suits his purpose. God has a larger purpose for you and for me always, always. There's meaning. There's purpose. But the purpose is the same. I mean, for those of you who say, Pastor Tim, I don't know if I know God's purpose for my life. I've always wanted to know God's will for my life. Well, I can tell you that today. If you've been always wanting to know, here you go. You should have asked me. Understand? Because it's not complicated. What God wants for you is faith. What he's always doing is strengthening, building your faith. Because Hebrews chapter 11 says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. It's impossible to know God. Faith is the only way that you can be in relationship with this God. And this God is your only source of everything that you need, everything your soul craves, the peace, the health, the strength, the hope, the the love. You understand? It all comes from him. He is your source. And your only access, the only way to know him, the only way to please him is by faith. So his purpose in every single moment of your life is the building of your faith. Jesus says, Simon, Satan's coming after you to sift you like wheat. But, but I've prayed that your faith won't fail. See, Jesus goes straight to the only thing that matters. And the only thing that matters is your faith. God allows you to be tempted and tried when it suits his own purpose for your life. And that purpose is always the same, to build your faith. He's always, always working to build your faith. So this is going to be a crisis of faith for Simon and the disciples. Let me stop right there because I love this little part in the scripture. Simon, Simon, he says that name twice. That's the name his mama gave him, Simon. Jesus calls him Simon. Now, you know that earlier in the gospel story, Jesus gives Simon a nickname. What is it, guys? It's Peter. 
Jesus gives Simon the nickname Peter, which means, say it, rock. It means rock. But Jesus never calls him Peter. All through the Gospels, he never calls him Peter. He gives him this nickname, Peter, but he continues to call him Simon all the way up to this moment. And in verse 31, at the beginning of this conversation, he says, Simon, Simon. And, and, and then notice, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. Peter says, Lord, I'm ready to go to prison with you and even to die with you. But Jesus said, verse 34, he calls him what? Peter. It's the first time and the only time in their life together on earth that Jesus actually calls him by the name he gave him. Peter. Why here? Why now? I guess because if ever Simon needed to get in touch with that rock-like strength that Jesus has placed in him, has seen in him, then, then it's now. Now is the time for Simon to be Peter, to, to be the rock. Peter says, I'd die with you. i go to prison with you. Jesus says, Peter, before the rooster crows in the morning, you will have denied me three times. See, Jesus is trying to prepare Simon, Peter, for what comes next. It's a, a, a very, very difficult thing. So, so Jesus turns now. He, he changes the, the, the topic subtly in order to address all the disciples together. And he says, listen, when, before when you were on mission for me and I sent you out, and you can find this in the Gospel of Luke. We've read it together. Jesus sends him out and he says, don't take a bag. You don't need a bag. Don't take money. You're not going to need money. All of your needs will be provided. Just go. Just go in my name and, and, and do my work in the world. You just go and don't take anything with you. You don't need a stick. You, you don't need a bag. You don't need money. You don't need food. You don't need an iPhone. You don't need anything. You just go in my name. All you need is my name. You're on mission for me. Jesus says, now, when you went out like that and you didn't have anything at all, were all of your needs met? The disciple says, Yes. Yes. Is there anything at all that you needed? No. No. Everything was provided. Jesus says, verse 36, but now. It's about to change. But now, Jesus says, take money and pack a bag. And if you don't have a sword, you probably ought to sell something and, and get one. The time has come for this prophecy about me to be fulfilled. He was counted among the rebels. That's Isaiah chapter 53. Jesus at this point takes all of those Old Testament prophecies about the suffering servant, about the Messiah, and he says they're talking about me and it's time now. It's, it's all about to change. Now, before it all changes, Jesus wants to remind them, though, of something very, very important. Understand. He said, back before, when you had nothing and you were sent out in my name, did, did you have everything you needed? And they say, yes, everything. So Jesus reminds them, understand, Jesus was trustworthy yesterday, and he'll be trustworthy tomorrow. This is the point for the disciples. Your needs were met before, right? Well, your needs will be met now also and in the future. Jesus is trustworthy, always, always trustworthy, but it may get a lot harder. The fact that it gets a lot harder doesn't mean that Jesus now is not going to come through for you. 
The fact that our lives are getting harder now, the fact that so much has changed for us, the fact that we have no idea what's about to happen in this nation, do you understand? That doesn't change the very simple fact that Jesus is trustworthy. He took care of all of our needs yesterday, right? He provided for all of our needs before any of this craziness began, right? Has he ever failed you? Has he ever left you or forsaken you? Has he ever not known your name? Has he ever not known where you are or what you need? Has he ever not been faithful for you? And the answer is no, he's always been faithful to you. So understand, he will be faithful to you now. He knows your name now. He knows where you are. He knows what you need. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. He is trustworthy. But it might get harder. Part of me just wants to take Sunday mornings like this during this quarantine and and bring a word of hope. And, And I am bringing you hope. But but this is the text that is presented for us today. And and the lesson of this text is very, very important. You need to understand that things can get hard. In the context of following Jesus, in the context of Jesus being trustworthy and providing everything we need, that does not mean that things can't get hard. Now, with the disciples in the upper room, notice what Jesus is trying to do. Because their lives are about to go crazy. Everything that they've depended on is about to be shaken loose. Jesus himself, they're about to watch him die. Remember, they left everything to follow him, and they're about to watch him be crucified. I mean, their lives are about to be shaken. But what did Jesus do in his desire to prepare them for what comes next? Notice that what Jesus does is actually to help them to understand the spiritual dimension that's behind it all. He doesn't just say, listen, guys, it's going to be a rough night. I hope you had, you know, a good lunch today because it's going to be long. Jesus doesn't say that. Jesus says, you need to understand that you have an unseen enemy, the devil, and he's coming after you. It's the spiritual side that they need. Jesus could stop and give them a timeline of just all the, all the individual ways they're about to suffer physically, but he doesn't do that because that's not what they need. What they have to understand is that there's a spiritual side to this and you can't see it. It has to do with your unseen enemy, the devil. It has to do with God's purposes for the world, God's desire to save the world. It has to do with my own personal mission and how things must be fulfilled about me. Understand, Jesus is just giving them this this entire spiritual context for what what happens next because that's what they need. And that's what you and I need. In this present moment, what you see going on around you now is ultimately related to things you can't see. And I'm not talking about the virus you can't see. I know you can't see that. I'm not really talking about that. Because I guess you can see a virus under a microscope or something. It's still a part of the material world. But there is a spiritual world. What I feel like you have to understand is that this present crisis is more than a health crisis for the nation. 
It's more than a health crisis for your family. Remember, it's a faith crisis. If all of this has to do with things that we can't see, then the first thing we have to remember is that God's purpose for our life hasn't changed. And and of all the things that God's still doing in our lives, He still wants to build our faith because faith is the evidence of things not seen. You with me? So what's going on around us is related to things that we can't see. It's, It's a crisis of faith. You know, Jesus calls the disciples' minds back to when things were easy and things were good. You could just walk right into the community. You didn't have to have a bag. You didn't have to have food. didn't have to have a stick. And all your needs were provided. It was a golden age of mission for the disciples. But Jesus says it's about to get hard. I don't know at what point things get easy for us again. I know that in the United States, churches have enjoyed a kind of golden age. Man, Woodburn Baptist Church, we are church in the middle of a cornfield, you all. But we've been blessed with, with crowds on Sunday, multiple services on Sunday. We've been blessed with just this sort of a golden age of ministry. And, and I guess we thought it was all hard, you know, because we depend upon the Lord's strength. It was all His work. I'm not saying that it didn't all depend upon His Spirit. I'm just saying we just enjoyed this time of sort of serving the Lord when it, looking back, it was pretty easy. But it's getting hard now. Well, we don't have Sunday morning crowds now. Things just got a whole lot harder for the United States church. I don't know when the crowds come back. I don't know if or when it ever goes back to the way it was. What if it's never that easy again for us? Will we still serve him? Will we still follow him? It's a crisis of faith. What about you? Let's be honest. Some of you, in the sound of my voice right now, you weren't really that committed to Jesus when it was easy. When you had a pastor at your church, you know, kind of spoon-feeding you the Word of God week after week, I mean, how much easier does it get than that? All all you had to do was show up. You really weren't that committed. Let's be honest. You just really weren't that committed when it was easy. What's going to happen to your faith now that it's hard? What about your children? Understand Satan has asked to sift them like wheat. The threat here is not simply just a a physical threat, a a viral threat. The the threat is that your children's faith is shipwrecked in this time of isolation because guess what? The only pastor they have now is you. You are now the pastor for your children. How will they fare? Your family, those gathered, maybe today, right now around the screen, do you understand? I, 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 I can't pastor you the way you've been used to being pastored. Dad, you're the pastor now. Mom, you're the pastor now. Your children will depend upon you now. Understand, this is an incredible crisis of faith, and it would be a disaster to emerge from this pandemic with your health intact, but your faith not intact. 
so as concerned as you are that, that you not somehow catch a virus and get sick. Maybe you're missing the point. It would be a tragedy to come out of this pandemic and, and, and never get physically ill, but be very, very spiritually dead. I guess, like Jesus here, the important thing is to remember that, that you must not let your faith fail. So Jesus is pouring out his heart in the upper room to the disciples. He's trying to prepare them for what's about to happen. So he said this thing about, you know, remember back before when, when you were on mission for me and all of your needs were, were met, you know, supernaturally, beautifully, it's about to get hard. It's not going to be like that anymore. You, you need to get your coat on. You, you need to get your bag packed. You need to get a stick, a sword. Understand, Jesus is still not speaking physically. He's not saying, you guys got to get ready. It's going to be a, a war. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying you need a sword. But because in just a few verses, they're going to say, hey, we got swords. And they're going to pull them out. And Jesus says, put them away. It's not that kind of sword fight. It's not that kind of sword. It's a spiritual sword fight. That's why when Jesus says, if you don't have a sword, get a sword. He doesn't mean sword, sword. Disciples say, well, well, guess what, Jesus? We, we got two swords. And Jesus says, enough. It's a hard verse to translate. And most of us, when we read that last word where Jesus says it's enough, most of us think that Jesus thinks, okay, 12 of you, two swords, okay, it's enough. 10 of you are in trouble, but, you know, it's enough. No, we're not doing an inventory of swords here. That's not what Jesus is doing. And that's his anguish here in this moment. It's just like enough. Enough of this conversation. Enough of you always missing the point. Enough. Because Jesus has told them what's going to happen. And Jesus has tried his best to, to prepare them. I understand, Jesus is trying to cause his disciples to rethink their mission in the context of harder times coming. The problem is they're not really going to understand. They're not going to understand the spiritual sword fight that they're about to be thrown into. They're not going to understand until it's too late. But Jesus says, Peter, by the time the cock crows in the morning, you're going to deny me three times. I mean, Jesus knows. Jesus understands, but they don't know. And they don't understand. And they won't until it's too late. So uh, my, my word for you today is, may, may seem dire and dark, but I just want you to understand that the night of testing comes. And it's not the physical test that is your greatest threat. It's, it's not the viral test. Social distancing is completely survivable. Spiritual distancing is not. So the night of testing comes. Pray your faith won't fail. Will you pray with me? And then one, one, one more song, uh, but, but, but pray with me. 
God, I pray for the church family that I love with my whole heart. I pray, Lord, that in this time of testing that none of us will experience the failure of our faith. Lord, some of us may get physically ill. Some of us, Lord, may struggle emotionally, physically, and in all sorts of ways. But Lord, I just pray that when this thing is over, and it will be over, Lord, I pray that we come through with our faith intact, with all of the faith and hope and love that come from your Spirit. God, bless our families. Lord, bless the parents of this church as they step up now to pastor their children, Lord. I pray that you will give them all the wisdom, all the patience, all the strength they need, Lord, to raise mighty men and women of God for you. Lord, I pray that in this time of not meeting together physically, Lord, you will allow Woodburn Baptist Church to experience a supernatural unity. Beyond meeting together, Lord, will you join our hearts together by your spirit? Will you give us one mind, one mission for the world? In this time of being locked out of the church, Lord, may we rediscover our neighborhood, our community. May we no longer tolerate the lostness May we no longer, Lord, be so willing to hop in the car, drive to church, and ignore our neighbors. Oh, God, you and you alone know what the coming days bring for us. Will you prepare us? And will you see to it, Lord Jesus, that our faith not fail? Because without faith, Lord, it will be impossible to please you. And to please you, Lord, is everything. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.